Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Greetings, friends. I'm James Arkazinski, welcoming you to another edition of Frontier Missions Journal. Today, we are taking a journey to Central Asia, where the Williams missionary family is reaching out to a people group somewhat disinclined to open their hearts to the gospel. However, you will soon discover, as did Elijah Williams, God can use any circumstance to open doors. Hello, my name is Elijah Williams. I work in Central Asia. Today, I'd like to share with you a story of how God can use maybe a negative experience, even a painful experience for good. He can take that and bring good out of it. I call this story Stitched for a Purpose. Where we live in Central Asia, there are many holidays throughout the year. And when I first arrived trying to understand the local culture and the local people and also get uh, involved in the community, I would partake in these different holidays. And one of the first holidays uh, was a religious holiday that commemorates Abraham uh, trying to sacrifice his son and God providing a ram in place of his son. So this involves uh, the Muslim people going to the mosque on, on the morning of that holiday. And then afterwards they sacrifice a lamb or a cow. And sometimes they come back together and have a meal at the mosque or they do it in their home. So I arrived there early in the morning. My friend Aaron, who also is a believer in Jesus, uh, was there. He's a local believer. And we participated or watched this uh, ceremony together. So what they do, they have a morning prayer. And all the conservative people with the beards and they had the clothes more conservatively, they all went inside the mosque. But then I noticed there was a group of other people who usually don't go to the mosque, but since it's a religious holiday, uh, once or twice a year, they'll go to the mosque uh, for this special holiday prayer. They all stayed outside of the mosque, uh, and they didn't pray in the same way. I, you know, usually a Muslim will prostrate and kneel and stand and do the different uh, ritual prayers. But these guys, since they don't do it enough, they just kind of stood there and bowed their head up and down as the prayers went by. So you could tell there's definitely a divide in the community of those who are really conservative and and used to praying, they know how to pray, and then those who are more secular and they don't pray very much. And it's important to understand those cultural differences as we interact with different uh, people in the community. Uh, Afterwards, uh, a lot of people talked to me, because I'm a foreigner, the only foreigner living in town, they said, what are you doing here? And I told them, well, I'm learning the language and learning about your culture. And they said, that's really great. Hey, you know what, we're having a meal at the mosque uh, this afternoon. We're going to do the sacrifices, and then we're going to all get together and have a big 
feast together. So please come to this meal. You can learn all about the meal. So Aaron and I went to the meal that afternoon, and it was all the conservative people who had gotten together to sacrifice animals together and eat them uh, and have the meal together. And some of them were telling me, you need to become a Muslim, and they were trying to make me become a Muslim, but others were were, were more understanding and not trying to convert me on the spot, uh, but were having a, a good religious dialogue with them. And then they said, this guy over here, he's going to get married, and he's going to have a wedding, and we're going to have a wedding without any alcohol or cigarettes. And we would like you to come to the wedding. That's one another way you can learn about our culture. So I was excited to attend this wedding because it, it was different from most of the weddings in the area where they have a lot of alcohol and cigarettes and dancing and loud music. So they introduced me to the man who was going to get married and they said, you know what? We're having a, a bachelor party for this guy tomorrow night at the pool. Would you like to come? We'll just, we'll, it'll be great fellowship. We'll play some games in the pool. We'll have some food and, and we'll wish him a, a good marriage. So Aaron and I uh, prepared to go to this bachelor party at a pool with the conservative Muslim men. And they picked us up. In the early evening, we drove out to the pool about a half an hour away. And it was prayer time, so they all lined up in the parking lot. And they got out their car mats or whatever, tarps, whatever they could to, to do their prayers on. And they did their, their evening prayer there in the parking lot. And then we went into the pool and they began to play games. They were barbecuing. They had soda pop. It was all wholesome activities. They didn't have any alcohol or any of that. So it was a nice environment. As Aaron and I sat on the edge of the pool, relaxing, talking to some of the other people, A group of men begin to toss a volleyball around. Most of them were big, burly, bearded, strong Muslim men. And some of them were wrestling and tackling each other. Uh, but they, they begin to play this game uh, where they would throw the volleyball back and forth. And then the group of volleyball players uh, grew and, and thought, well, maybe I'll join them. Uh, that looks kind of fun. And it wasn't a volleyball game. It was with a volleyball, but it was a different kind of game where you had a circle of men and then they would hit the ball back and forth. And if someone dropped the ball, they'd have to go in the middle. That guy in the middle would then be the, the target. So they'd throw the ball over and the, the other guy would spike it and try to hit the guy in the middle. Ah! It's quite a brutal game. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure about this, but I thought, well, it can't be that bad. And I thought, well, maybe I just won't drop the ball and I'll be okay. So people kept dropping the ball and there, and there were about 10 guys in there. And, and then finally the ball came to me and I dropped it. So I had to go in the middle. And the way to get out of the middle 
to free everyone from the middle is with if they spike the ball at you and you catch it, you can release the whole group in the middle and you're all free out, outside again. So I was thinking, well, I'm going to try my best to help the group in the middle to get free. So they were flinging the ball back and forth and I thought, I'll catch that ball. And it came close to me once and I was jumping up to catch the ball. But at the same time, one of the guys on the edge was jumping up to spike the ball and his arm came down on the ball, but also on my hand and right between my fingers and split open the webbing of my finger. I didn't realize it at first, but I knew something was wrong and I looked down at my hand and I could see that the webbing was split open and that I was going to need stitches right away. So this was a serious problem. <laughs> I quickly exited the pool, asked if, you know, did they have any first aid kit? Uh, the pool had some alcohol they dumped on there as anesthetic. <laughs> and, and then they, they just had a little bit of gauze and they said, we don't have anything else. You have to go to the hospital. Thankfully, there was one of the guys there who had a car and he was headed back early. So we were able to ride with him to the hospital. It was about 10.30 at night. I was in quite a bit of pain. It was about a half an hour drive uh, with my hand split open. We arrive at the hospital. We had to wait a little while. Finally, a doctor came in and took me into a room where the, and a nurse put anesthetic into my hand and it began to get numb. And then he began to do the stitches, eight stitches. But in some places, there wasn't quite enough anesthetic and it was excruciatingly painful. Thankfully, Aaron was there with me. He helped me get through all the processes in the hospital. And the doctor did a great job of stitching me. And within a month, it healed all up. And two days later, I attended the wedding. I wanted to show them, look, I know you probably feel bad that I was all injured at the bachelor party. Here I am. I'm okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all right. And the wedding went really well uh, because there was no alcohol. Uh, there was no brawls or fights at the end of the wedding. And uh, the one thing people didn't like was there was no music or dancing. So that some people were like, it's such a sad wedding. <laughs> uh, but it just shows the, the divide of the secular and, and the more conservative people there. But uh, this wasn't the end of the story. Because I was injured at the bachelor party, all those men remembered me. And I went to the wedding, everyone at the wedding remembered me. And as I walk about in the community, people remember me. They say, hey, how's it going? How's your hand? How are, how's everything? So I, I made deeper connections with people in the community as a result of, of this injury. And later, we were attending some other holidays. Later in the, in the New Year's and the springtime, they have different holidays. And I met this guy who looked at me and he, he said, I know you. And, and I said, you do. And I didn't remember him, but he said, I am the doctor that stitched your hand. And I said, wow, thank you so much for doing such a good job at stitching. Uh, the hand is doing great. And he said, I'm so glad for that. And he said, why don't you come over to my house sometime? We were glad for that invitation, but it was kind of an open invitation. It wasn't clear. But the next holiday, we saw him again. And he said, hey, how's it going? Come over to my house. 
So this time we we said, okay, we're just gonna call him and tell him set up a time to come to his house. And it happens to be during the the month of Ramadan where they're fasting. So he invited us over in the evening for a meal to break the fast together. And at that meal, we had a good spiritual conversation and began a deeper friendship, and that continues to today. And so, I just want to encourage you when. Bad things happen, even painful things happen in your life. Let God take that event and turn it into positive results. Look for where God is is leading. Not that God wanted that painful event, but He can use the outcome of that to bring out good results. And in our case, we were able to become more involved in the community, and even the doctor who stitched me became friends with Him. What a beautiful story of God using a painful situation and turning it around for good. Hey, it's the promise He gives us, yes? Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So this isn't the end of the story. I've made many friends in the community as a result of this event, and every time I look at my hand, I remember those friends and pray for them. And I would ask you to pray for my friends in the community as well, especially those more conservative Muslims who are more challenging to reach and require different tools to reach. And I just want to thank you for your continued support of our project and for your continued prayers for Muslims in Central Asia. Friends, do you feel God is calling you to do more for Him? The need for folks just like you to enter a career in overseas mission service is truly great. Take a look at some of our mission calls today at afmonline.org and select the Serve tab to learn more about these mission opportunities and the types of service available. Get involved today. The rewards are, well, heavenly. Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal. God bless.